radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Mark Kilby back to Agile FM because uh, Mark was already here on the podcast in 2017. We spoke about uh, remote teams at that point and we're doing something very, very similar uh, today. Uh, at least we're going to kick it off this way. Mark, if you are not familiar with his work, um, is uh, the author of From Chaos to Successful Distributed Agile Teams, uh, which was co-authored together with uh, Johanna Rothman. Right. Yeah. Welcome. And to so, it, thank you so much. I can't believe it's been four years. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild, right? Yeah. Yeah. The time has flown. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we did our little uh, pre-conversation and, and I didn't even make that connection. It's like, wow, it has been that long. Yeah. And, and, um, and, the, and the book has been out that long. The, the, the book, well, so the, the ebook version came out in mm -hmm. fall of 2018. The print version came out in early 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's been doing well. And uh, of course, we saw a spike in March and April of 2020. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it certainly has been an interesting year for remote work. I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll summarize it that way. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the book is filled with practical tips of how to work in a distributed way. Um, so the, the word distributed is in the title. Some teams just refer to it as virtual, some say remote, um, UCHO is distributed. Uh, they're not really interchangeable, right? So there is, there's a little bit something behind it. Some people are very, very uh, specific and say it should be remote because it's still in person because you look at each other on video. So uh, to be honest, and, and Joanne and I have, have had this conversation, we just... We finally had to settle on something for the title. Right. I don't like any any of those terms, yeah, <laughs> because it sets up a bias. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if you say remote, well, then who's local? If you set up virtual, well, are some people real or not real? That's right. <laughs> and and the way we treated remote work or distributed work before 2020, that's that those biases were very much present. Uh, there was very much an us versus them. Mm. Then in 2020, us and them became all of us. And, uh, and the big difference was very few people had a choice mm. where those before 2020, many of us chose to work remotely. We chose how to work remotely. We had a lot of time to develop that where you know, this time last year, everyone was just trying to figure out, you know, do I need to work remote for a month, two months? No one, no one, I don't think, except for a few of us, thought it was going to be, you know, over a year. And we're still in it as, as a, the time of this recording, although there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, but I think there is, there's a lot of learning that came out of these, the last 12 months, right? So we're recording this in March. 2021, we have uh, seen 12 months of uh, distributed work. Let's just settle on this term here for uh, for, for yeah. this podcast, right? Uh, so we have 12 months of distributed work. What is it we uh, we learned from this? I mean, there was a 
a general um, misunderstanding or misconception about remote work was like remote teams don't deliver, right? So they're mm -hmm. in, in their home offices and who knows what's going on in, in their yeah. home offices. Are they are they actually working? Like whatever is underlying kind of mistrust and, uh, and so right. on. Right? Well, remote teams don't deliver. Remote teams aren't innovative. Mm -hmm. uh, remote teams can't respond well to change. So I've I heard many different mm -hmm. uh, myths around remote teams. Right. And and the the funny thing is it's really more around the organizational culture. So if the organizational culture supported people kind of slipping through the cracks and, and not really producing, it wouldn't matter whether you're remote or not. Right. Uh, with remote work, because people are doing it by choice, they're coming in with attention of, I want to do my best work possible. Mm -hmm. That's how we recruited people. So when, when I was uh, working at, as a full-time internal coach for the prior company I was at, we actually screened for that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, if somebody was wanting to work remote just because, oh, I can work at home. And again, this was pre-pandemic. They were out. If, if we heard, I want to work remote because I, I want to work with a, a top level team. I want to do my best work. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to be able to do my best work when I work at my best. That's what we listened for. And that's what we recruited for. Right. When, we, when we heard that, that's who we brought in. All those remote first companies are, that's who they're recruiting. That's who they've been recruiting for years now. And these are not just small little companies. If you look at companies like uh, Automatic, which produces WordPress and many other products. If you look at GitLab and others, these are companies that are well over a thousand people. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, these are large companies that work completely distributed. Wow no offices <laughs> so you see all right if, yeah you know, if you're just all all remote but it's actually very interesting right because you just said like one of the myth is change right and being adaptable to change as a, yeah. as a distributed team and i mean this change we just faced 12 months ago i mean it couldn't be a bigger change than that i mean that's like it proves that these that we are able to adapt to the situation right yes yes and those and those who were able to adapt well are starting to go, hmm, this could work for us. Mm -hmm. Those that may, and I'm not generalizing this for everyone, but for those who are a little more resistant to change, they're probably going to ready to go back. Mm -hmm. Although going back is going to be completely different. <laughs> it's not going to be what they think. Yeah. But um, the, the other thing is uh, on the, the emphasis around choice some people need a separation between work and home life. Some, so, so, and, and I totally understand that. And now having everything in one place and we, when it's hard for them to have that separation, they need the office. Mm -hmm. Some need, who are more on the extrovert side of the spectrum, they need that constant interaction with others. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one coach I worked with several years ago she was brilliant but she worked at her best when she talked through concepts 
that's that's when the brilliance came through and and so i i recognize early on some people need that interaction i did not wow. i'm more on the introvert side of the spectrum mm-hmm. but that means i get more energy from ideas than interactions right. so so if i so coming on a podcast great giving a talk or even better being in open space like we talked about earlier uh i get tremendous energy from that because mm-hmm. i can i can go through all kinds of ideas and and share them and pick up new ones uh but some some need that ability to vocalize instead of write right. and and do other things so they they need a different kind of choice mm-hmm. where some need the choice of I need more control over my schedule. I don't need office hours. I need my optimum hours. Right. So I think a lot of people are going to think about more about their choices as, as they have the option to go back, whatever mm-hmm. going back means. So that's interesting. So you're getting your energy from uh, in-person the same way as you would get them from distributed kind of... Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. The funny thing is uh, I... I It was uh, first, yeah, first week of March of last year. I was speaking at uh, InfoQ London, mm-hmm. and I was in, invited by some other colleagues, uh, Judy Rees, Lizette Sutherland. I had only met Lizette once mm-hmm. before then in 2015. I had only met Judy once. There were two others there that I had never met, but we had conversed several times and had a good working relationship online for, for three to five years. Wow. And, and I'm able to do that. And I realized not everyone is. So I don't think I am not on the remote is the future bandwagon. I don't believe it's for everyone. I think it's going to be an option moving forward. And so, so I, so you, so your listeners can, can, uh, Breathe, breathe a deep breath. I'm not here to say remote is the way. That's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. So right. So it's interesting that you said that with the uh, with the work hours, right? So there are folks that have pre-pandemic, they had a nine to five job, let's say, right? And yeah. and that there's nothing wrong with a nine to five, right? No, uh, no. Right. So, um, but then when they worked in um, in a distributed way, the nine to five really didn't exist so much anymore, right? So. Uh, It was a different. And it was. Schedule, right? It was. It was more difficult to exist. Yes. Because now, especially during the pandemic, when some of us had kids at home and kids at home trying to uh, do schooling at home when they weren't set up for that, they weren't prepared for that. Right. When you had spouses uh, or significant others, you know, trying to figure out, okay, who has the maybe the one computer in the house because maybe not everyone. That's right. multiple machines mm-hmm. uh, or they maybe didn't have enough bandwidth. So they're dealing with all these challenges of timing and resources because they've been forced to work at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the nine to five became near impossible for many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and, and they might not go back to a nine to five to your point. Right. So when they come back to it, yeah. they will find a different environment. That's like, why am I here? Um, and those office hours, so to speak, right? I could be yeah. doing something very much personal right now, and I'm going to add the hours at the end of the day when, you know, when a document is signed and comes back from overseas or whatever the the, the business yep. situation is like. It's the flexibility that uh, uh, that is very interesting that has this changed everything a little bit. 
Um, obviously, it came in from, you know, it just hit us, you know, full speed uh, last March um, with the pandemic. But you also said something about productivity. They don't deliver and stuff. These are like the typical myths. Um, can, can we rule this out uh, after 12 months pandemic? I think we can, right? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, even, even before the pandemic, when you, when you have teams that look at how can we work best together and how can we work individually at our best? How do I, if I'm a, if, so I'm a morning person. So I know for me getting up early, five o'clock in the morning is a great time for me to start work because mm -hmm. that's where I'm going to get my best work done. So there, there's a block of time where I do some solo work because I can concentrate and get a lot of writing done, help develop the courses. Mm -hmm. And then there's time later in the day for collaboration mm -hmm. where I can talk to you, I can talk to partners, I can, I can yeah. the people I need to collaborate with and I have those hours of overlap with mm -hmm. that I set aside time for that. And then I block out other time for family for exercise, for other things that I, I need to also take care of. It's just not contiguous, mm -hmm. like in a nine to five job. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's, there's definitely productivity. I mean, we see the companies are yeah. delivering products, right? Software products mm -hmm. coming out. I didn't see any kind of delays on new releases or anything from software. No. I think uh, we just manage. I mean, yes, there is Obviously, and this is maybe the psychological impact here uh, with a pandemic, right? Rather than the mm -hmm. distributed work, if we're separating the two things, that people feel like, hey, this is not really working for me. I'm sitting in my house. But the, the thing is, you might be on a lockdown or you might be on a, yeah. you're just more isolated right now. And it's just fast forward a few years and, and hopefully we're out of this uh, pandemic by then. Uh, and we can free roam again in uh, in offices, but yeah. we might have a working model like this. We might come back to this and say like, you know what, this is actually pretty good if I'm not isolated, if I'm not in a mm -hmm. knockdown situation. So this model might be seen more positive, right? Than yeah. it is right yeah. now. The, the, the pandemic was even difficult for me. Mm -hmm. So while I enjoy remote work, I also enjoy being in my community. So mm -hmm. there's things my wife and I do to volunteer, I'm also active in the local agile community, and that's been difficult because of things being shut down. Now, fortunately, the local meetup uh, has has adjusted well to online, but some meetups completely shut down. Right. Some just like other services completely shut down. Mm -hmm. It just it just depends on who could support keeping going, who could support the social right. in, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's been the bigger stressor, I think, over this last year for many people. Right. So so don't take that lack of connection as this is what remote is like all the time. It's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the other thing is like uh, I see or I work with a lot of teams out there. They have back to back Zoom meetings, right? One hour Zoom yeah. meeting, another 30 minute Zoom, another 30 minute Zoom. By the end of the day, they had massive amount of Zoom meetings, right? Uh, or mm -hmm. any other tool. I'm not saying Zoom is yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the, the problem here. Um, but what, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a lot of online meetings and they're all like the same. It feels like they're going from mm -hmm. so like a, one segment after another, after another, but you, you wouldn't really be able to tell from the outside that this the agenda has changed, right? It's just a continuation of the same topic. <clears throat> what, right, what, because, well, they haven't, they haven't stepped back and, and really looked at what's the best way for us to communicate? What's the best way for us to stay in sync? What's the best way for us to move forward toward a goal? 
Right. So those that have worked remote for a long period of time realize there are times that we really need to be together in a gathering. I'm not going to say meeting for now. I'm just yeah. say we, we need to gather to decide on something. We need to gather to debate something. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be together to give status to each other. Right. We don't need to be together uh, to, uh, to just uh, give back and forth information. Some of that remote teams have figured out ways we could do this asynchronously. We could still carry on conversations asynchronously through any kind of medium. There's multiple ways to do that. And for the times that we really need to work with each other, when do we need to pair develop something? So not just pair programming, but uh, pair writing, pair, uh, pair creation. I've done lots of that over the last several years. Right. It, and that's where you need to be in sync with the other person very closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when do, uh, an example from my that last organization I mentioned, the, the senior VP did an excellent job of mixing asynchronous and synchronous communication. If there's any big change happening, he'd usually put right. a blog post out Sunday or Monday There'd be a Wednesday all hands, and then he would have some uh, ask me anything sessions after that. And he'd also have a special chat channel that people could uh, reach out to him. So he had both ways of communicating so that people could say, okay, I don't understand the implications of this change you just mentioned. Can you say more about that? Mm-hmm. So you, people who have worked remotely for a while have realized you can use both asynchronous and synchronous and balance that for a number of things. Right. That is awesome. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot to be uh, even improved, right? Even beyond this and maybe yeah. in, a, in a shared model where we do a little bit of both. Maybe there's mm-hmm. another spin on it, how we how we work this way. Well, even, ret- even retrospectives, I've done a mix. I've actually, I've done entire asynchronous retros- mm-hmm. retrospectives. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the technology yeah. is there, right? We have yeah. uh, great tools. Just curious, um, without you endorsing any tools, is there anything that stands out like uh, uh, on your on your list where you would say this is a really cool tool to to work with in a in a distributed fashion? <sighs> Boy, the tool set has changed so much in the last year. So you know, most people have seen Zoom and all the changes happening there. I will say there there is a wave of zoom contenders coming up out of the startup community that will be interesting to watch mm-hmm. that will look nothing like zoom okay. uh, so one in particular i find well actually there's a there's a couple that are related uh, so if you look at tools like spatial chat or wonder.me uh, both of those take away the the walls of the breakout room but you still can have breakouts. You can just move to different parts of the space and just talk to people in that space. Right. Uh, or you can broadcast across if you have, if it's a large conference, say several hundred people in these different small circles and say, okay, I need to get something out to everybody. Here's, here's the keynote or here's the announcement for, hey, you might wanna not miss this next presentation. Mm-hmm. So those tools have the way of reaching out individually, small groups, and much larger groups. Uh-huh. Um, even even for conferences, and and Joe, you've probably seen this one. Uh, Hopin 
has made huge strides and they've had several acquisitions this year too. Uh, so they're, they're very much looking at how do you support hybrid events? Right. And, and they're, they're, they're making some interesting moves there. So there's, there's, I think there's some interesting technologies that are happening uh, and evolving. And the startup mm-hmm. community, I think, is going to provide some, some, some interesting ideas over the next couple of years. Right. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see who is still on top in yeah. two years. <laughs> well, spa- spatial. Uh, just as an example, I have I've played around a little bit myself. Right? Super yeah. interesting because you see who's there on one screen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't hear them talk until you move closer to them, right? On on a yeah. screen. So it's like this. It's an audio thing that has changed, uh, which is mm-hmm. obviously uh, extremely intriguing to for networking, um, etc. So. Um, really cool things. Now, I want to switch a little bit because you're working currently, this is my understanding, on a new book. Um, and, yes. that, and that new book is about uh, open space, exploring an open space mindset is the uh, is the working title. I don't know if that's going to be the publishing title. That's that's the working title for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm co-creating that with April Jefferson. Mm-hmm. So I say co-creating because it, there's more than a book there. Yeah. Uh, so what we're doing is we're looking at some of the the concepts, the principles, and the law of mobility, and how does that occur outside of the theater of open space? Where do people see that influencing how they work, how they interact in their communities? So we started sketching out several chapters and we we caught ourselves putting many of our own stories in there mm-hmm. and we said you know this is about open space we need to open this up uh-huh. and so we started interviewing others some in the agile community several outside mm-hmm. of the agile community so uh we we have some interesting i will say the stories from outside the agile community are probably even more intriguing yeah how how the law of mobility has showed up how the the right people have showed up how the only thing that could happen uh, you know what what happened was the only thing that could happen for these particular people in certain situations mm-hmm. so we have many many stories like that we're also doing a series of of workshops we call them journeys because we we go with them on the journey so april and i are not we don't see ourselves as instructors we we see ourselves more as guides and mm-hmm. we go on the journey with them so we have uh, we had a three-hour reflection journey. What are different ways that reflection might look like for you? How will you step back and look at what's happened and how you might reflect on mm-hmm. different things that have happened? How did it happen? And how will you learn from that? So whether it's uh, journaling, different types of grounding, we have some other unique things in there as well. Uh, we've got another one coming up soon on purpose. We've had some others on exploring options. So think about your marketplace in, in mm-hmm. open space. So how do you how do you put the options out there to to see, and how do you how do you navigate those options? Right. So those those are kind of things we're curating for the mm-hmm. book and the project. It's also connect to your previous topic about distribution, uh, mm-hmm. open space in a in a distributed world. Yes. You know, open space yes. is a very personal thing, right? When people sit uh, next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, but I don't see that happening in 2021 necessarily, right? No, no. <laughs> um, but 
but it it can also it can also help people explore how might you either work remotely or mm. work with others who want to work remotely mm. so that that's very and april and i both have worked in person and remotely many many mm. different times so that there there is a bit of a a theme under that as well right so um the the the, the book obviously um is is all about the the mindset of stories its journey is there anything mm -hmm. else you can share about the book are you um in, in addition to that like the the structure the, the size because i've had harrison owen here on my podcast before Mm -hmm. uh creator of uh open space right it was, oh, yeah. It was, yeah it was interesting um about this is that uh i feel like the agile community uh took hostage of uh, of open space because harrison uh himself he came out of a very different camp right he came out of the yes. non-ip camp so yes. what what you're describing in your journey stories uh is uh going back to the roots right we're we're very much trying to to go back to the roots of open space uh there's and that's why i will say there are some some agilists interviewed but we're we're really trying to get a much broader mm -hmm. set of stories right and and we're we're getting into those now and it's it's interesting to see how the same principles show up in in different ways for for different communities mm -hmm. Any, uh, that's my opinion here. Any any story to be shared is is good, right? Because open space is so eye opening. If you as a listener, uh, listening to our conversation here right now, might not have experienced open space, give it a try. There's a lot of uh, right now, obviously uh, distributed uh, open spaces around the world with different kind of technologies. But it's it's liberating, right? Um, yeah. Well, not surprisingly, it's a liberating structure, right? <laughs> yeah. So and it's it's. And I want to emphasize, if you experience an online one, try to visit one with a different technology. Mm -hmm. So because then you'll realize it's not the technology. Mm -hmm. It's it's really about the space, how people curate that space so that everyone in that space can freely share and learn from each other. That's really what that law of mobility is about. If you are neither learning or contributing, you go mm -hmm. somewhere else. Right. And that is that is really a major element to any open space. Right, that's awesome. So uh, I'm looking forward to that release. Uh, when do you expect this roughly uh, coming out? For we're 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 looking at the fall. We 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 still have chapters in uh, in a bit of an outline mode. We're mm -hmm. we're going through the stories, figuring out where they will fit in some of the chapters. So mm -hmm. they'll probably be an early draft here in the summer. Uh, and then hopefully get the final version out toward the end of the year. End of the year, 2021. People can uh, register uh, already, newsletters, et cetera, uh, for that book and get announcements at markkilby.com. Uh, yep. If they go there and look for books, they'll see the book listed and they can get on a special newsletter just for that book. Awesome. Cool. If somebody wants to get in touch with you on Twitter, that is M-K-I-L-B-Y-M-Kilby. That's your Twitter handle. Um, all of that stuff will also be on the show page. I have some links to the material, um, et cetera. Um, that was a great conversation. Thank you. And I hope we get out of this uh, pandemic soon um, and see uh, another version of distributed development following that, maybe a 
a shared one, a mixed one, whatever whatever that's being called. But I oh, think- Oh, yeah, we could we could talk about this hybrid situations next time. <laughs> <laughs> There's, that's a whole other set of conversations there. Let's do that, exactly. Awesome, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.